these guys think I'm too Indian and my parents, you know, if I family think I'm not Indian enough yeah. and yeah. like that kind of, I guess, duality of like trying to be, trying to you know, fit in with what your culture expects and what your kind of upbringing and your environment expects and like the West, I guess, almost kind of imposes on you to an extent. Are we too much of one or not the other? Like what is the balance between that? Welcome to the Brown Don't Brown podcast with your host, Tanya Hardcastle. We're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds. Shaped by our cultural, racial and social experiences, we share our stories. Hello everyone. On today's show, we review the Netflix series, Never Have I Ever. I'm joined by Shirin Shah and Chithal Mystery of South Asian Sisters Speak, also known as SAS, an organization which seeks to empower and share the experiences of South Asian women. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for, for yeah. coming on to the show. I'm sure the listeners would love to know more about you and, of course, more about your organization. So please do enlighten us. Sure. So I'll start. Um, so my name's Sharon. I um, am a lawyer by day, and um, but I like to spend more of my time doing SAS. Um, and yeah, we just um, wanted to create a platform for South Asian women in the UK to share their experiences openly. Um, and we run various events kind of centred around identity, mental health, um, lost histories. Um, and I'll let Sheetal tell you a little bit more. <laughs> um, thanks, Rune. Um Yeah, hi, everyone. I'm, I'm Sheetal. Um, I guess my day job, I work in the charity sector um, in corporate responsibility. Um, and then SAS is like, a little side hustle but sometimes feels much bigger than a side hustle I think we, we do put a, a lot of um, love and energy into it um, and it's growing all the time which is crazy um, so uh, yeah we've done a huge variety of different things the one thing um, that kind of flagship program of ours is the, the Brown Girls Book Club which is um, so a book club for South Asian women uh, and we cover books by South Asian women so um, and use those books to kind of facilitate bigger conversations about issues within the, our community um, and that's kind of done amazingly well like the, it's, there's so many people who are interested in that and who come to us because their love for literature um, and through that we were able to do um, a show a creative showcase at the Tara Arts Theatre last year based on one of Mira Sayal's books so yeah we've done a huge variety of things um, but yeah the whole kind of aim is to platform South Asian women and their voices so yeah really excited to be on the show and thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for being here. And I've got to say big kudos to you both because I, um, when I Googled, I was Googling book clubs a few years ago. I think it was maybe a couple of years ago now because I wanted to, you know, um, be part of one, I guess, and look at more diverse authors. And the first thing I did was Google book clubs, South Asian women, and you guys came up. So that goes to show what a big impact you've already had, um, just not just with the book club, but just beyond beyond that as well and the organization as a whole. So yes, I'm very glad that you're here. And yeah, let's let's get started on talking about the show, Never Have I Ever. Um, I guess just a warm up question would be, what were your first impressions of the show? I was I was really excited to watch it. So I think as soon as it and you know obviously there'd been a bit of buzz about it on social media. So mm. as soon as it came out I and like to be honest we're in lockdown so I was like well I might as well watch this I think I watched <laughs> like a few days um when it the first half of the series I was like yeah this is cool um like I definitely did find that 
having a program with such a diverse range of kind of individuals and people from different backgrounds I really loved that and it made me just feel very happy and I had a very similar feeling when I watched sex education for example yeah but the first half I was I was kind of like yeah this is cool but it wasn't like super Mm. raving about it but then for me it really really picked up I think in the second half where they delved into some of those like um, grittier topics in a lot more yeah. detail like you know around relationships particularly the grief storyline and um the kind of cultural identity so I think by the end of it I really enjoyed it and felt like actually for 10 episodes which aren't mm. even that long I felt like they achieved quite a lot quite a lot yeah definitely yeah I think overall um I'd agree so I um I'm quite active on Twitter and when the, so the sort of the trailer for the show came out that I found it was really interesting the reaction on Twitter versus Instagram was very different Twitter was very critical Twitter's always way more critical I think yeah. generally and everyone on Twitter like the South Asian community on Twitter was like ripping it apart and it's only like a 30 second trailer and there's not really much you can take from that <laughs> and it's obviously crafted in a way to try and cause some hype right so yeah. and it definitely did that um so I was I was quite wary I think after that because you know representation of our community is so rare so it's sort of I don't want to pin too many hopes on this and I don't Mm -hmm. want to also tear it apart so quickly either so I I kind of almost forced myself to go at it with an open mind because I think it's so easy to be to have either really high expectations or also to dismiss it sort of from the off um I think because of that I actually was very pleasantly surprised um Mm. there were definitely some flaws in there which I'm sure we'll go into um later on but I think overall um I was surprised how much I enjoyed it and actually some elements of representation I think were done really well which I was quite happy about so um on the whole um you know positive experience and would recommend but (laughs) yeah um, yeah most people tend to agree in that in that way and I think initially when I watched the first episode I thought it was just going to be a typical high school American drama dealing with the same sort of teen tantrum tribal and there was obviously this obsession with being popular and getting boyfriends and cliques and I found that aspect quite cringeworthy and that Mm. carried with me throughout the show but I guess there has to be an element of relatability for a show to be appealing and I and much of that relatability is captured through teen angst and awkwardness and things like that so that didn't bother me too much once I got over it I have to say what did strike me from the first episode and and probably what inspired me to continue watching it was the the lead character wasn't famous and her complexion was actually darker than the traditional skin tones we're far more used to seeing in Bollywood films for example so perhaps that's why subconsciously I was more drawn to it I don't know maybe that's Mm. why yeah I I found that aspect quite original and continued watching it I I quite admired the narrator's voice it was soothing and it made it seem like this sort of observational documentary and like a window into this life of an Indian girl growing up in the west so that was interesting but I didn't really know he was famous this John McConroe guy which was a bit random but yeah I mean he sort I sort of got used to him throughout the show and I guess that leads me on to the second question of representation. Um, it's very difficult, as you both acknowledged, and the show's creator, Mindy Kaling, has openly acknowledged how challenging it is to cover and represent everything experienced by and typical of South Asian diasporas in the West. And the South Asian subcontinent is hugely diverse in and of itself, as we know. And But nonetheless, what did you think of the way in which South Asian migrant communities and their culture, faith and attitudes were depicted on the show? 
I think, um, you know, there has been a lot of criticism of the pro of the show. And I think that a lot of the articles and things that I've read, um, particularly from people from a South Asian background, has been the critique of like, oh, but this isn't representative of me. Mm. But I ultimately think you can't be authentic about anything but your own experience. And I think yeah. that I know when Mindy spoken about it, she was basically asked to create a program based on her childhood. Mm. Um, and so a part of me is like, yeah of course there are you know some cringe bits like with some of the accents and things like that generalizations around like marriage or um kind of religion and and different Mm -hmm. things like that but ultimately I think that if it's true to her experience then I think she's done fairly well in representing that and as you say like and I think, you know, from our work in terms of like, you know, we try to represent the South Asian community in the UK, like that encompasses so many different people, yeah. so many different experiences. And I think we always say like, we can't, you know, me and Sheetal being the co-founders, we can't represent the entire no, South Asian No, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we can only be honest to ourselves and give a platform for other people to kind of share their own experiences. So yes. um, I think for me, like I've, I try to take it from that lens because I think it has, I mean, there's such few shows that are that diverse that I Mm. think it's a real step in the right direction that I don't really want to be too critical about how I feel the South Asian representation was. I think there's always going to be shows that could, there's always going to be ways it could be bettered, right? (laughs) Yes. Like a step in the right direction. Definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with all of that. And I think the one thing I think it did well was, I can't remember which episode it is, but um, Davies, the main character, is talking about like um, these guys think I'm too Indian, and my parents, you know, if I family think I'm not Indian enough, yeah. and yeah. like that kind of, I guess, duality of like trying to be, trying to you know fit in with what your culture expects and what your kind of upbringing and your environment expects, and like the West, I guess, almost kind of imposes on you to an extent, um, and that's a lot of what we explore through SAS. I think one of the like reasons we kind of co-founded it was because of growing up as like British born but still Indian and Asian and connecting with our heritage and not again that that uncertainty and like are we too much of one or not the other like what is the balance between that and that (laughs) yeah um and we know that's such a common experience for for people of our age and obviously um the main character in the show is um a teenager and um you know and and a bit younger but like I can imagine it's that's still something that 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 generation experiences and I think that was like a really relatable kind of element of the cultural representation for me Mm. um just that kind of I don't really know like I don't want to you know you don't want to discard your entire heritage but there's parts of it you don't agree with or you don't connect Mm. with and but at the same time you're still visibly Asian in a country that's where you're a minority and you still have to deal with that on the other side. And, and so I thought that was done really well. Um, yeah. On the, on the other hand, I think there were also like missed opportunities to sort of mm-hmm. challenge um, certain, I don't want to say stereotypes, but like issues within our culture that were presented. Um, but I think they, the opportunities to challenge those weren't taken. And um i while i agree with like shirin's point about you know we we can't be we can't necessarily be too critical because there aren't so uh, that many kind of south asian shows on tv or or characters with south asian um leads Mm. at the same time 
Mindy Kaling created this knowing that and knowing yes. that so many millions of people were going to watch this. And I think there is an element um, of, I don't know, I don't want to say ignorance, laziness. I don't, I don't really know, but I think there are yeah. some, some aspects, for example, and again, I know we're coming to this later, but um, like when Islam is mentioned and the way that's yeah. presented, it's like, but you, you're on a bigger platform than you think. You can't just yeah. be like, this and is my experience. That has on others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's not just South Asians watching this. It's the whole world. Yeah. And you do to an extent have a responsibility to, even if that is what happens in our culture, hmm. to at least address it or challenge it or show that it's not so one-sided yes um so yeah that would be I guess part of my criticism about it yeah yeah I I mean a lot of people didn't or it didn't sit well with them the fact that the mother and daughter relationship was quite unsettling at times but I thought the portrayal of strict parenthood was pretty accurate because that genuinely is how it is for most Asian kids um everyone I've grown up with who's Asian and myself included of you know success and what it's meant to look like um so the dynamic between you know this strict parent and this resentful child was pretty accurate and I like that it wasn't a one-way street and that Devi herself was pretty ambitious we don't always see that in the portrayal of these sorts of dynamics and the fact that she sort of takes ownership of her own life in that way is was quite refreshing for me to see and you know Another aspect which was quite funny was when Debbie's mum goes to see Debbie's therapist just to understand a bit more about her daughter. And the therapist says, well, I didn't think it would be, therapy would be something for someone like you. And she says, well, that's because therapy is for white people. I found that hilarious. It's just so accurate. Um, I thought thought the relationship between the mum and the daughter was actually one of the most relatable aspects for me. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I think in particular that whole point of like they were they clearly obviously cared about each other but there was this um kind of constant miscommunication and Mm -hmm. like this need to be secretive and to hide things and to like um maybe not tell the whole truth sometimes and I I actually really found that to be one of the most um relatable parts of it in terms of like my experience as a South Asian woman and also like my friends yeah Um, and I think ultimately like I think slightly complicated parental relationships are the norm like and I kind of think it's nice for that to be addressed in a television program rather than um like your parents are human right and I think what I really was how they started to show that with um with the mum as like as the program went on and obviously she's also dealing with her grief and how that was maybe getting in the way sometimes of the relationship between her and Davy and how they were dealing with their grief differently and things like that. And so I thought it was really refreshing to have that perspective. Yes, um, I found it very authentic. Yeah, I really liked it. I don't, I think, yeah, some people didn't seem to appreciate it as much or they sort of saw D- Davy's mum as a bit of an antagonist, but I didn't. I thought, you know, she's dealing with her own issue. She just lost her husband. Like, obviously she's going to be upset and it's difficult to me to communicate about grief to someone you know and you've lost a mutually loved one it's very difficult and that is probably why they found it difficult to communicate in some respects I'm sure we'll come to that as the show goes on but yeah I mean narrative itself has its fair share of stereotypes and I'd like to know you know which was your most favorite and which was your least favorite I mean I don't know if this is a stereotype so much but I think one thing that I really liked that that I thought was done really well was like 
some like features features i say and like kind of traditions of like uh, a hindu family that mm. were kind of thrown in but that weren't like over explained right yeah um so it didn't feel like oh this is we appreciate this is the first south asian family that's you know on mainstream tv mm. we have to explain all the you know the the kind of history behind it like for example in the first episode when she's talking about her books being blessed um mm. which i thought was like really funny because i i know um like <laughs> similar things have happened in my household and um um and you know and that doesn't make any sense to me like, i'm not massively religious myself <laughs> i've been in situations where my mom will be like oh you know just wear this because you know it will give you good luck or whatever I'm like, well, this yeah is, yeah why you know like why are you doing <laughs> that yeah. um yeah and like and similarly i think there was like a thread on um the her dad's like motorbike that they put like for good luck and stuff as well i think mm. later on and but again it wasn't like overdone it wasn't sort of like this is a Hindu family, so they do this because this, this, and this. Yeah. And I was really scared it was going to be so, like, made so kind of plain and, like, explanatory and, and basically for a white audience, but yes. it wasn't. Yeah. To me, it was just like, oh, that's so normal. Like, I'm so used to that. And yeah. that just felt like such a normal thing to happen and to, to do. And it, it was just left there as, like, this is how this family works and just kind of moved on with the story. And so it's not really a stereotype in that sense, but, like, I really appreciated how that like those kind of things. And there's another scene I think where they're eating dinner and I think they're having dorsa, but again, it's not like, Oh, this we're having dorsa. This is yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah. like, this is what we have for dinner normally. Like it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. So I really, really appreciated that. Um, yeah. I really kind of enjoyed that. Certainly flowed very authentically. I think, yeah, that probably made it all the more authentic. The fact that they didn't over explain, as you said, um, yeah I found well actually I didn't really like the fact that Devi had this weird disdain for her own culture I don't feel like the reasoning behind it was made very apparent um it just sort of I think it sort of condones a whole the southern hemisphere is backward narrative which I don't really like but at the same time when I was a teenager I was definitely rebelling against my Bengali culture and heritage I remember doing that so in that sense it's still quite authentic but it could have been addressed a bit differently. I don't know. Yeah. I, when I was thinking about like stereotypes, the, you know, when she has that conversation with obviously that older person guy in the community who's gone to college and then come back and he was like, Oh, I actually really miss Ganesh Puja. And like, um, you know, I have been sharing a room with this native American guy and it's made me appreciate my culture and whatever. (laughs) Um, I found that honestly really relatable because yeah, I agree with you, like the stereotype of um, South Asian cultures or just generally like cultures from less developed countries being backwards is something Mm. that I really, really dislike. Um, But at the same time, I completely resonated with that because when I was at school and like I went to school, you know, there was like 30% of my school was Indian, but um, everyone wanted to be seen as like they wanted to be called a coconut like it was the cool <laughs> to like be the one brown person who only had white friends and basically was like not really in touch with their culture and like oh, I really? think yeah it was a really big thing and I, I don't know if it was also because we were all like mostly Gujarati as well like there was this kind of view of like oh there's so many of us we don't in order to stand out from the group of us that there is like you kind of had to be a bit white um <laughs> And it was a really, it was a really, really big thing. Like, I don't think we celebrated um, that. And I found that when I went to university and I was like 
the only Indian, for example, in my friendship group that I came full circle of like really embracing it. Mm. Um, so that was like a, yeah, it's a bit of a catch 22 because like yeah. the stereotype itself to maybe those who don't um, understand the culture, like it perpetuates maybe this like idea of us being backward, but in terms of the experience of being like a diasporic like kid, mm. I kind of think it's, a, it's, it's quite accurate that we all go through that identity. Yes, what would you say was your most relatable moment and why we might have already touched upon this, but you might have other aspects or scenes that you want to share that you resonated with? So I, interesting, you guys have already touched upon this, I thought it was interesting you got brought it up early, but I'd actually, so I've made notes before this session, but um, I actually wrote the relationship with the mum, but I was more oh. thinking, um, you know, the flashbacks they show to before um, her dad passes away, like, because yeah. the complications with the relationship don't start um you know with her dad like dying mm. they they were there before that and they had a really difficult relationship for, for quite a while and then obviously that is kind of made worse by um her dad passing away and he he seemed to be a sort of the buffer between the two of them mm. um and to me that was the most relationship the most relatable sorry because mm. and i and i and i see what you say about the criticism that you know she the mum was quite antagonistic but I've being completely honest like I had a really difficult relationship with my mum as a teenager mm, yeah. and the words that were used in the show let's just say are, are not like unfamiliar yeah um and <laughs> I don't and I, and I wouldn't yeah yeah and I, and I wouldn't say that's kind of limited to me either like mm. I think a lot of absolutely um, a lot of people a lot of certain kind of South Asian kids similarly will can say the same because and I, and I and you know I think it is one that we're not very good at communicating generally yeah <laughs> um, in our culture so like and, and anything about emotions is just like off the table completely um but I don't know if it's also like a between a mother daughter thing if there's like a there's an expectation there that maybe doesn't sit with like a father daughter relationship which is you know, I was brought up in this way to be, you know, a good wife, to do this, that and the other. My daughter's, I don't know, sassy and talks back and does her own thing. Like, why is she not more like, I want her to, you know, that kind of thing. And and yeah. I think that comes, that relatability comes from, you know, oh, I, I've wanted her to be this and she's not. Yes. Um, and so in the, and in the show, she sort of says like, oh, she's no daughter to me. I don't, I can't, I can't deal with her. I don't know how to, you know, and it's because well I'm thinking it's because like it's just they seem so different but mm. and they're so separate and she's always been closer with her dad but actually yeah. I think there is the underlying maybe expectation there that well again I'm speaking from my own experience but maybe doesn't come that doesn't kind of link the the father and the daughter in the same way yeah um so I yeah I really that was kind of the most relatable thing for me but not necessarily um poster father passing away but just even seeing from before what their relationship was like and just seeing how that kind of develops um, going forward is, was really interesting. Yeah, there is this weird, I, th I think there's a, certainly a sense of this unspeakable emotional connection that mothers and daughters share, which they don't, as you said, often communicate very well. And that may be a problem that we need to sort of destigmatize because a lot of the emotional baggage that comes with talking openly about these sorts of things aren't really accepted. Whereas with I think father and daughter relationships is a lot easier to just sort of joke around and show mm. love in that way quite lightheartedly but with I think 
I don't want to be stereotypical and say all women are all women are emotional, but I think it, there's definitely something there when it comes to addressing the emotional side of mother daughter relationships for sure. Mm, I think yeah. that added thing of um, you know like women perpetuate the patriarchy for like whatever reasons that it is and like I sometimes feel I found that relationship really relatable but even just in terms of like you know from my personal experience I just feel like there's a lot more pressure on me say from my mom to like achieve all the things that she didn't necessarily get a chance to yeah they want to live vicariously through us basically yeah and so that puts a lot more pressure on you and I yeah you can see elements of that I think in the relationship sometimes between Davy and her mum as well is that Mm. added pressure I think sometimes you have between like mums and daughters Mm. that as well um and it's probably exacerbated by her mum being an immigrant and Davy obviously being like American born yeah Mm. there is a sort of weird resentment I think that migrant mothers might sort of project onto their daughters because they say oh well you haven't had to struggle like me because you haven't been an immigrant yeah. born here so therefore you're lucky but in that sense and you should work extra harder or put in extra effort because I've had to sacrifice a lot to bring you here sort of thing and there's also like a like a gratitude element in that mm-hmm. and sort of like you yeah. should be grateful for like yeah. everything I've paved the way for you to do yeah. um yeah and yeah like you say like there's a there's a I mean we talk about this in SAS a lot in terms of like the struggle of South Asian women generally, but then also of our mothers who mm. um, for many of us are immigrants who've had to come to a new country, completely learn a new way of life, you know, reestablish themselves, potentially have a career if I guess to an extent they're allowed to, or if they have the capacity to, if they're not bringing up their children, you know, and, and balancing all of that. And then it's sort of saying, well, you know, I've cooked for you, I've cleaned for you, I've done all of this for you and weathered all these struggles. Now I want you to do, you know get a really what good I job and get the highest grades yeah exactly yeah. um and when it's like well actually all she wants to do is hang out with her friends and get a boyfriend you know and it's like well priorities aren't you know um but yeah so I think there is a, that element of sort of like you know you you kind of owe me this after everything yeah. I've been through um yeah. free yeah. struggle basically and I suppose if you don't meet those expectations there's kind of a like oh I put put all of this in I've like given you everything Mm. but you're not giving me basically the the harvest I wanted which is not not a um yeah I know I don't know I don't know where that analogy came from (laughs) I I like it I think it's Uh, quite awesome (laughs) I was gonna mention another relatable moment if that's all right yeah Um, sure so for me, and I think this is probably more so just because it's something that I've been through recently, I found the, um, particularly the, again, the episode where they went to the puja, mm. um, the way that Nalini is treated by the community because her husband has recently passed away. Yeah. Um, I found the comments and things that like the aunties made her and the family in general, like really relatable. Like mm. that one auntie was like, oh yeah, like, oh my husband had cancer and then he's like oh like you know how are you um coping and she's like oh no he's fine and I was just like I've heard this comment yeah like oh I can really empathize with what you're going through but it's completely not the same right um and so and just generally obviously seeing them as like the kind of pity as it were like that the way that people were talking to them and being like oh it's so brave of you and um 
I thought that was really authentic in terms of my experience of having gone through that recently just the way in which like people talk to you and um see people who've like lost their husband or lost their father or whatever it is um, yeah and like attitudes towards those issues I I thought that was quite um authentic yeah I think it's definitely a coping mechanism just like basically walking on eggshells not addressing the underlying issue you're just dressing it up in like I don't know, happiness and positivity and things like that is is definitely one of those coping coping mechanisms that we see amongst the Asian diaspora for sure. And I think Um, just overly people trying to say they understand something that they don't. It's like it's okay to be like, I can't I can't even imagine what you're going through, which I don't think is something we like to do. I feel like we always like to be like, Oh yeah, similar experience and it was like I can empathize, you know, like but you can't do you also think there's like an element of like this is a south asian like competitiveness there and i know that i'm not trying to like trivialize this mm. aspect of it but you know how it's like oh but i've had you know i've also had it too yes. you know and like yeah. you know and like a bit like and i've, I've seen that happen like mm. just in so many different scenarios yes. and I'm, <laughs> and again i'm i can't you know can't relate to to your experience here at all so i don't want to say that but i just it just feels like to me and I, I have seen it happen where people go, oh, no, but yeah, I know. I also had this infection. It's like, great, like, cool, but I'm not talking about you. Like, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's okay for you to just say, you know, I care about you and I'm here. Like, it, but again, we, we struggle with emotional communication. So it's like, yeah, well, I think, you know, yeah. that's the only way I to think, connect. I don't know. I, I think we like- as a whole struggle to communicate in general. I think that transcends yeah. cultural and other barriers definitely i think there are a couple of storylines around arranged marriages what did you think of the way arranged marriages were portrayed on the show the way in which a divorced woman was portrayed in the show raised some eyebrows do you think the unsolicited advice she gave kamala that if she had married someone her parents chose she wouldn't have divorced made kamala reevaluate her decision and also the decision taken by Kamala to choose her suitor through an arranged marriage over her boyfriend represents this sort of struggle between contemporary and modern, balancing familial expectations with our own choices. And this type of predicament is definitely a historical component of South Asian culture. But how accurate do we think it is today? So quite a few questions there. We'll start <laughs> off with the first one about arranged marriages and the way they were portrayed. What did you guys think? Yeah, I had, a, I had a number of thoughts on that whole storyline, which I guess kind of ties into to your other two questions as well. I think the first half of the series where you realise that Gamla has like a secret boyfriend and he's not of the same cultural background and, you know, she really likes him. And, and I think it's what, she watching Riverdale and she's like, oh, no, I'm going to get him back because, you know, forget what anyone thinks. And I'm kind of like, yeah, go, girl. Like, you know, can you, you, you know, if you like him, you know, that's that's all that matters. Right. And um obviously it's not that simple of course not but um I was quite like empowered to see that um Mm. so (laughs) that conversation she has um with the divorced woman I just and I guess this this comes maybe from a more personal perspective of like what I was hoping to see represented um and not necessarily like what still happens is but um I was kind of hoping for um the I don't know her, what her name was, but the the divorce lady to sort of say no, actually it was still worth it. Like I married and had kids with someone I loved, mm-hmm. and you know whether or not it ended good or bad, like it's still 
I don't regret it. Um, and that's a choice that I consciously made. Um, and I'm dealing with the consequences, but then I think I was like, my heart kind of sang when she was like, no, just, just do what your family wants you to do. It would be so much easier. And, And I guess the reason I was disappointed was like a number of levels is one, um, I'm, I'm, I'm at that stage in my life where, um, <laughs> my family are giving me pressure. So fun fact, um, I got my first, um, offer via my granddad yesterday of wow. a family friend oh that he God. knows. <laughs> oh he was like, he's single and lives in London. Do you want his number? And I was like, I must politely decline. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doing it's happening. Well. I, I know they are so persistent. It's, it's a fucking <laughs> pandemic and nothing will stop my granddad and my aunties um at all so so to answer your question of um how accurate is it does it still happen yes it does um um, i think given that you know i've kind of on and off in the very loose version of that situation but also um i know a lot of my friends are and i've seen people also get arranged marriage as well it's and and not been happy in it i've kind of just like i i want to see people push back on that and see that more like represented more on a, on a wider scale um yeah. and i just i wish there'd been a bit of a bit more exploration of like gumla's feelings and reaction to that as opposed to oh, i'm just gonna dump what's his name steve right yeah. i'm gonna dump steve now yeah. and oh you know the guy that they arranged to meet me is actually really hot and we have everything in common how yeah how there was no coincidental yeah like you know and and i just felt like the way that plot storyline ended was like were they just trying to say look arranged marriage does work because look he's a perfect guy and i'm like it does happen i'm sure it does but yeah i think they were trying to normalize arranged marriage but they could have done it in a different way way i mean don't get me wrong the the actor who came in um was hot i'm just gonna (laughs) (laughs) i feel like many people agree um but you know it was just sort of like I, i i don't know i mean yeah, I was a bit disappointed with the ending of that. And it just, like you say, I think it yeah. felt like it like normalized a big stereotype, actually, which is that like Asians get arranged marriage. That's your it thing. It is a big it? stereotype. Like, it's not true. You know? You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And nowadays, it's completely different. People are allowed, you know, you can bring someone home and say, oh, I really like this person. What do you think, mum and dad? And they're usually like, yeah, that's fine. I really like him too. And, and it goes from there. And at the same, by the same token, you know, arranged marriages are actually okay and a lot of people do want to have arranged marriages I know plenty of my friends who've chosen they specifically Mm. chose they wanted their parents to choose someone for them because they just simply couldn't be bothered or they just thought their parents would be the best judge of others characters and that's fine as well but there was the thing there was no transition period between when Kamala all of a sudden just switched and decided to go with this guy there was no in between or reflection as to why she made that decision it sort of connected the whole conversation she had with that woman who'd been divorced with her subsequent decision it was just bizarre Mm, yeah I think there was like a you know kind of when they decided let's just like not tell anyone tell anyone and like get to know each other um mm. like Kamala and Prashant I feel like that was the maybe slight middle ground between the two yeah. situations like she was like okay yeah this guy's kind of cool um and let's explore it but like not have the pressure per se of like saying we're definitely going to get married and I think in that sense like um I mean I wouldn't call what happened arranged I'd call it assisted which is more yeah, yeah. I am 
but it's also more what I personally have seen as the experience nowadays. Yeah. It's like nobody's getting forced into marriage. It's not in forced. Terms, like, no. Arranged in that sense. But um, it's more people will introduce you to people they think might be a fit. And exactly. it is ultimately up to you yes. whether you agree or disagree. Um, and that's more the experience um, that I've seen. Um, thankfully, I have not experienced it yet, but um, <laughs> I'm sure through. it will happen very, very soon. Um, but yeah, no, like, it, I, you know, in terms of my experience from like people within my family and stuff, assisted marriage is pretty much the norm, I would mm. say. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, there should be, I think there should be definitely a distinction between arranged marriages and forced marriages. Yeah. I don't think arranged marriage is a forced marriage because, yes, as you said, it's assisting someone to get married, you're introducing someone to them, and then they make the decision ultimately. But a forced marriage is completely different where you don't have a choice and people need to, I think, understand that perhaps there needs to be a wider conversation around what an arranged marriage actually is and just busting some myths around what people assume them to be I think I'm talking when I say that I'm meaning non-South Asian people who just assume we're all being forced to marry people we don't yeah. want to marry yeah and I think that you know as you said with some of your friends like there is a conscious decision from people to say like you know actually marrying somebody within the same culture as my family is really important to me that I would mm. um be happy to like have them suggest certain individuals who are like friends of friends or whatever um so I think yeah I agree that the I found the the like the divorce lady like them having that one conversation and her literally her purpose literally being to say those few lines was mm -hmm. just a bit of weirdly contrived it like was just random. Just have, yeah it was random yeah and then it did seem to obviously play into her thought process but I just don't know if it was needed like I feel like I'm sure Kamala was already having those thoughts in her head between yeah. this way of, like do I consider this arranged marriage thing seriously or do I just like go with my heart mm. um and I don't think the divorce lady really needed to be there and if anything she kind of just perpetuated a stereotype about divorcees yeah. um and that would that was an example of like I kind of feel like they were trying to address the way in which South Asian culture doesn't treat divorced women very well mm. um but it was done in a slightly superficial manner because it was just dropped in yeah. yeah and she didn't really get the chance to explain what happened yeah, no. yeah it seemed very she was, de she was definitely like a plot device more than an actual kind of yeah. whole character in her yeah. own right um yeah 100 percent. i think that was one of the cases where like as i said before like that was like an explanation to someone who's non-south asian who's like look at how much pressure we get and look at <laughs> happens to us if we don't do the right thing well the right thing in inverted commas but like you know this is she's like shunned by the entire community like look at her and I think it was like we all we all kind of know and understand that pressure because we're in that community but I guess if you're not maybe you need to see it as you know the aunties giving you looks across the hall and all of you know all of that stuff and no one wants to sit with you and like maybe it just maybe it was their attempt to make it more obvious and visual for those who maybe wouldn't understand because it's, it's quite a nuanced pressure, isn't it? It's not yeah. necessarily explicit all the time. So maybe that was just their way of trying to make it more accessible. I don't know. Mm, perhaps, yeah. Um, it was it was interesting how, the way she was introduced where, yeah, people avoided sitting next to her and then she sort of came up to Kamala at the end and said, oh, this is me. This is what I've been through. So yeah, that part of it was quite interesting. But then subsequent dialogue was a bit weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... 
another question I think it ties in with the previous is you know, how accurate did did we find the show's depiction of the South Asian diaspora's interrelationship with other cultures and faiths and by way of example in that same scenario we had Islam painted in quite a negative light in the scenario of, of that divorcee who we just spoke about who'd been shunned for choosing to marry a Muslim and I think that definitely played a part in the divorce I mean it was it was implied it wasn't explicitly stated but do you mm. think this type of infighting accurately represents the relationship between Hindus and Muslims to this day for example? So, so this this aspect of the show is like my biggest pet peeve and my biggest <laughs> biggest criticism of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, because, because, because being completely open and honest, like I think that the way the community spoke about like Muslims and Islam was quite accurate from my experience. Like I've seen very blatant Islamophobia, and like I'm from like my family is Hindu as well. Yeah. So like thinking about it from a religious aspect, like. I've seen that very blatantly um, and to the extent that I've had very close friends who also Hindu have gotten in a relationship like fall in oh. love with Muslim guys yeah. and have got to the point where they've had to choose you either you, you marry him and your family will not speak to you again or you pick your family and you break up with him mm. and in both cases um, they've chosen their family because wow. they were like I can't I can't deal with that so I think that aspect of it was very realistic yeah um my my problem with it was i think what i kind of alluded to earlier which is like there was no room to challenge that no there wasn't or, wasn't or correct that or yeah. yeah and 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 again it 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 was a you know 10 episode season you can't pack can't everything in it. there but but to me again it's like that responsibility of like it's not just South Asians watching this there are millions of people across the world watching this and this might be their first view or interaction with a South Asian family and South mm. Asian culture exactly. and if you're just very blatantly saying like oh you know Muslim don't be stupid would never you know yeah. um, and this is what happens to me yeah yeah this is what happens to me it, like what happened to me because I married a Muslim and mm -hmm. and also there's like a throwaway Modi reference which really um which also really pissed me off because you know what's happening in India at the moment this is you're thinking about the bigger like political climate yes yeah um, and what he's doing to Muslims in India with the situation with Kashmir like the the riots that were happening a few months ago yeah you, you know you can't just you know basically throw that in there the fact yeah. that they're like Modi supporters and again not have any like you know even the tiniest challenge like even they're going Ugh, mom like why would you say that or you know whatever there's no context just, really it's just thrown in just, there yeah, and, and to show that this whole thing is a lot more complex and actually our community is challenging that. Like within our community, we are infighting about this issue of Islamophobia and saying, and like a lot of us saying, no, this is wrong. Mm. Like we can't, we need to break this viewpoint, this ideal that it's Hindus versus Muslims because it shouldn't be. And a lot of us don't want it to be like that and don't actually think like that. And I think to just put across that as a one-sided view that that was like my biggest yeah it, um, biggest criticism of the show is that that was painted in such a one-sided light yeah. and I'm like I wish they'd done it justice or done better with it to be yeah honest. it could have been managed a lot more diplomatically especially given the historical rift between Muslims and Hindus throughout you know for, for time at immemorial and and we haven't seen it ourselves in our generation because we've grown up in Britain but I'm sure you know our parents and our grandparents can tell us stories about what happened and yeah perhaps it just wasn't as respective or respectful towards um 
being more open to you know a two-way dialogue essentially which represented both both sides mm-hmm. um but yeah as you said it's something that you know you can't cover everything in in one season it's very difficult but maybe just gave a little a little inkling of what it's like um and it also reminded me of that scene in I'm guessing you guys have seen Bend It Like Beckham where she's talking about who she can marry and she's like you know a white guy no Muslim definitely not you know so it's just yeah. like yeah it's definitely a negative um, portrayal yeah, there and it's something it was inaccurate it just probably could have been done a little bit yeah um, yeah I found the um just touching on like Davy and uh is it Ben Ben, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ben. yeah yeah what I found interesting there was that um in many ways actually like Indians and like Jewish people are like two of the kind of like model minorities mm. in a lot of like countries in the west like I would say that this also applies here in the UK right of like yeah. we're kind of seen as the ones who've come here assimilated to assess you know this assimilated generally and like worked really hard and actually like a lot of them kind of most successful immigrant communities are Jewish and Indian yeah Um, and I thought that was like an interesting thing of like having those two model minorities and they're competing against each other yeah yeah and you know I'm not gonna sit here and say that's inaccurate because I think there is actually Mm. from my experience like going back to my schooling it was a third Indian a third Jewish so like I um definitely saw that kind of the views of that in my um like schooling anyway like this kind of slight weird tension between these two communities Um, in the competitiveness aspect but um I thought that was an interesting one I did read an article that like some people felt that it was very anti-semitic the portrayal of Jewish people in the program um i don't personally know if I necessarily saw that I did I did find some of the things a little bit odd like I did Mm. find the school project about like using an app to deal with not in like just designing an app for Nazi Germany I just thought that was a really bizarre yeah topic like I was like why would you (laughs) make this into like a weird slight joke like let's create an uber for jews in Nazi Germany I just I don't know like to me that didn't really make sense there was a few and obviously, you know, the view of like, okay, they're really wealthy or, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with it being anti-Semitic, but I just mm. sometimes thought the portrayal of Ben was a bit satirical at times. And I, yeah. I mean, like, that was his whole character, wasn't it? Like he wanted, he, he was satire embodied, <laughs> trying to bring yeah. a bit of heartedness to the show, I think as well. And yeah, the competitive between them was quite funny to see I think in different ways but also represented quite a lot of serious issues that they were both dealing with in their own respective livelihoods as well but I think the whole yeah dynamic between um infighting within the show or the aspects of it you know told through the narratives um does sort of say that there is this big endorsement of obeying your elders as in like they know best and if you don't obey them, you get ostracized or you get disowned or something bad will happen to you. And mm. people always, there is a superstition that if you think bad things are going to happen to you, they will happen to you. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And a lot of the time, that's how I see this whole concept of obeying your elders within our, you know, within South Asian culture. And that was quite interesting to see with the, with the divorced woman. 
Um, yeah, um, and I would say just with like her two friends, um, although like obviously one was Latina and one was Asian. Different yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And obviously, obviously, um, Paxton was half Japanese. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily feel like the um, their cultural identities came much into their characters. I would mm-hmm. say I didn't really sense like there was no, a really. right? But it wasn't really developed further. And maybe that is something that will happen, obviously, as the show goes on. But in terms of, like, um, interacting with those cultures, I don't think that was necessarily particularly um, advanced, which which is also okay, I suppose, in the sense that in some sense, when we're we're hoping to move towards Mm. um, a kind of world where, like, a character can just be played by a diverse character without that being the forefront of their experience without being a token Um, yeah exactly and without it necessarily being centered around the fact Mm, that they're um yeah but that would be interesting to also see i would say yeah and grief trauma and anger follow divvy around throughout the show and even if these sorts of things aren't happening to her they are happening to someone she knows whether that's Paxton Ben Fabiola Eve her mother or even Kamala and with each episode the show sort of builds depth in this way and as these characters backstories are explored um to to great depth um could you relate to the feelings and experiences of any of these characters and if so how and the second question is, well, as the show unfolds, it becomes apparent that Debbie is so blindsided and consumed by her own grief over losing her father that she looks through the feelings of those around her. Uh, what are your thoughts on the way in which Debbie deals with grief? That's interesting. It's quite meaty. Um, it's a very meaty, <laughs> meaty <laughs> I I think, I mean, in the first part, I guess, thinking about Lily and her relationships with others. Yeah. I think, so I, I read, um, I've read quite a lot of reviews cause I'm finding it quite fascinating how different people have interpreted the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we did, um, I think an Instagram story on it on, on our SAS kind of um, page and we had oh, wow. really interesting, like really diverse feedback on like, what did you think? And, um, and so I remember someone writing, I really didn't like, Vivi like she was a very unlikable character mm. she was very like stroppy and selfish and yeah, yeah and like and it was, it was quite harsh actually I thought um yeah. but I actually um and I can see why like you know her, her two best friends kind of ditch her at one point and sort of say like we we don't want to be friends with you right now you're being crap basically yeah, yeah, yeah. um but I actually really valued the fact that Vivi was almost written as an unlikable character I actually yeah really enjoyed that sort of like um, an anti-hero to an extent and i and to be fair i don't necessarily think the the protagonist in a show has to be even any sort of hero or otherwise no. I, and i think and i think also in this show the whole point was like she is human um, an american born yeah american born <laughs> south asian girl who's just trying to deal with everything that's happened to her exactly. and obviously it happens yeah and um and I actually, I actually, it's really rare, I think, for for a female character, firstly, but also a female character of color, to to be shown to be that flawed and to mm. be, you know, trying to process her emotions in some way or another, or maybe not even at all, and just completely ignore them and deny them at the same time. And she's yeah. a teenager, you know, she is going exactly. through a lot, um, and she, and underneath it all, she has a good heart and she's trying, but yeah. 
it's not always going to come across in the most positive light and it's not always going to have the consequences that she wants and I just exactly. I completely um, empathize with the reactions of all her friends and family to, to kind of what she's going through but at the same time I, I really like that she's not perfect mm. in any shape or form yes, and she, I really like that as well yeah is kind of like for example with the the kind of model UN situation where she just becomes really vindictive and like <laughs> turns on him like I thought that scene was really funny um yeah. but also she's just like she is stubborn and she's fiery and she's like yeah I'm gonna do and you know and and I just I really appreciated having like a flawed main character um who was just yeah. kind of allowed to be and to like see her develop in that sense so I don't think that really answers your question, but I think I, when I was thinking about her relation to other pe- relationship to other people, mm. I get I get why they kind of react to her in certain ways. But I also think she's just being her, and it was just a very human portrayal. Mm. Um, yeah, of what she's going through. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, with the consequence of grief, the grief that she deals with, I think it's part and parcel of losing a loved one. I think you will continue to see or hear or feel them constantly like continually and sometimes you might go through phases where you don't you know think about them as much as before but they'll always be there and um the portrayal of her you know constantly seeing her father in various you know steps in her life whether that's you know she's dealing with something traumatic at school she'd like turn to her father as a as a sort of form of solace and he'd give her advice um and although this was all in her head rationally you know you know this this what she's seeing isn't real but emotionally it's like you want it to be real and the whole reincarnation of her father or how she saw him in the form of a coyote was quite interesting to me as well and the fact that she really needed someone to basically confide in and talk to and get advice from and that her mother was quite a contrasting figure in that sense in the sense that she couldn't really talk to her about these sorts of things and she was always hiding things from her but with her father she could be more open and and forthcoming about her struggles um and that sort of element of grief really resonated with me in in many ways the thing with grief is that if you lose someone you always think of what if like if this could have happened this would have happened and you always think hypothetically especially when you sort of feel i guess regretful if you if you think oh i wish i'd said this to this person before they died or I wish I'd you know had this experience with them and I think that really came through with uh, with Divi and and her ability to confide in her father um, even after his passing mm, yeah I mean I I agree with what Shuthal said about her as a character like you know I just think back to like me as a teenager um and you're going through so much change yeah. and like so much angst and and all of those different things that I'm sure we all have like situations like what she did where it's like you're struggling to realize what is important and what your priorities are so like you know is it that hot boy or is it like your friends right and so I think there's um that's kind of like an authentic experience of a teenager like a teenager is basically out who they are what is important to them what does really matter in the grand scheme of things Mm. so that that's that and I think that it's nice to have had a character like that who's just inherently just trying to figure her shit out as it were um and then if you take that on top of that she's dealing with grief Mm. is like a whole nother layer of something right um and it obviously feeds into a lot of well it's in the storyline it's kind of give 
in, in many ways like seen as like the reason that she's behaving in that way but I also think a lot of teenagers do behave in that way without necessarily having this big traumatic thing that's happened mm-hmm. to them um, yeah. and so yep absolutely I think the grief thing was kind of an on top of one and I think it also just kind of was like a bigger storyline in terms of her relationship with her mom and like yeah. the family dynamic and like also the wider community um aspect but um yeah I don't know I think I think for me it was like a thread of the storyline that I particularly enjoyed and yeah. like I don't know if that's maybe just because I it personally resonates I don't know if that's yeah. why for me it was particularly poignant and I think um Definitely. yeah I really like the the last um well the last scene with um where they the ashes into the sea that was very very touching i think for a lot of people um and they didn't even have to say much it was just a scene itself um and you could you could see through the through the scene itself like what sort of emotions they must have been going through and the fact that they you know they're white into the wide open air and the wide sea sort of it was sort of like a release like an emotional release in a way yeah yeah. i stopped watching that scene at one in the morning so (laughs) I definitely had a, a had a good cry when that scene happened. Yeah. But, um, I think it'll be interesting, and then you know, going forward with the next season or whatever. Yeah, what would you like to story. see happen or not? Oh yeah, or with that, like I'd like the storyline of the grief thing to continue because, like, for anyone who's gone through it, you know that it's not going to end the day. Like, yeah, throw the person's ashes into the sea, right? Like, yeah. mm. she may have got some. Her and her mom may have got some solace from that. Um, mm. And it may have done something in helping them let go a little bit more. But um, I'd still like to see that storyline continued and for her to unpack her emotions around that. Yeah. Um, I would like, you know, the boys to chase her and her not to chase the boys. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember being very boy obsessed when I was a teenager. So in a way, I sort of want the storyline to focus more on her and her own growth as a person. I don't know if I'd necessarily want her to end up you know, with either Paxton or Ben now. I think the other thing, I mean, Sharon, you kind of touched upon this already, um, but I want to see happen is mm. her kind of processing of, of not just grief, but just like herself and her mental health generally. Because yeah. um, you know how in her like therapy session, she was always quite resistant to mm. actually talking about anything. Yeah. Um, which again comes with just being a teenager, but you know, exactly. also the kind of nature of what she's experiencing. Um, and... What I found really fascinating, actually, is I read another article. But um, so Mindy <laughs> Kaling lost her mum a few years ago, and she has actually stated that the way she deals with when she kind of feels sad about it, or it's like feels, um, you know, kind of gets with memories in her head, is she just like completely ignores it. So she yeah, will put yeah, she'll, put, she'll put a podcast <laughs> on. She will just like put like a gym workout on, put her headphones on, and just like power through it, and she yeah. won't. And she's like openly admitted she does not, she hasn't dealt with it and doesn't yeah. want, like, doesn't just, doesn't want to go near it as like, um, like a, an emotional process or anything like that. And I just, and when I read that and I was like, actually, I that makes like sense. Yeah. That's why that storyline feels so genuine. I think is because almost like it's translated. They've still covered a lot of ground within that one season. And I think, oh yeah. Undeniable. Yeah. I'm definitely well done to Mindy Kaling for, for achieving that. Cause that's pretty incredible. Um, Obviously, there are people who are going to have issues with some aspects, but I think overall, um, it was it was a very good adaptation of you know what a typical life is like for 
a South Asian living in America and the West um, more largely. This brings our show to an end for today. It's been really interesting discussing so many different aspects of the show with you both. I hope you enjoyed being on the show. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Loved it. If you haven't already, please check out Sass on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Shithal and Shirin, would you like to give us your handles for your social media accounts? Yeah, so Sass um, is at we, we are underscore Sass, both on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, I think if you just search South Asian Sisters Speak, you'll find us somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, give us a follow if you're listening. <laughs> Amazing. Until next time. Bye. Amazing. Bye. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Brown podcast. If today's discussion interested you or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Brown podcast and on Twitter at BDF podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Brown podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.